0: Welcome to the Meant to Be Outdoors podcast, where our goal is to connect
1: listeners to the great outdoors with hosts Brian Hoffmeyer and Ben Brandell. I'm host Ben Brandell, owner of Meant to Be Outdoors, instructor of outdoor skills, and passionate about personal growth. I'm host Brian Hoffmeyer, wildlife biologist and avid outdoorsman.
0: Welcome back to the Meant to Be Outdoors podcast. I'm your host Brian with my co host Ben, and today's episode is all about fall bass fishing. That's right. A fishing episode from Ben and Brian, surprise, surprise, before we get into talking about one of our favorite outdoor activities, we do need to give thanks.
1: I want to thank everybody that listens to this podcast. We have people that listen, I mean, nonstop, every single podcast, and then we have some that just once in a while pick one up. I know last week we hit like 10,000 downloads, so I'm so thankful for that um and i'm thankful for the support that people have given us on patreon as well so thankful for our listeners if we had zero listening then i would have to quit but since we have several hundred listening off and on i'm just so thankful for that
0: yeah it i think i put in, in the post on social that every every listen means something it it matters it that does. you have goodness gracious in today's world you have so many things Asking for and demanding of your attention and time and for you to take any second of your day um, and to give it to the meant to be outdoors podcast. Uh, Can't even really put into words what that feels like or or what that means to us. So I got one word. Just thank you. Thanks. Yeah. Thank you. Thank you for that. Uh, My thanks today is for the seasons. You know, change is hard. But one of the things I love, people ask me, do you think you would ever leave the Ozarks? you think you would ever move somewhere else and my answer is no i love having all four seasons and not just having them all cuz a lot of places have them but we have them all for like fully mm-hmm. <laughs> like we get the we get hot above 100 degrees we get below zero every year we we experience those extremes and then our falls and the springs are are fully all the deciduous trees are, are losing their leaves you have huge transitions and we're going to talk about some of those today with the fish but the animals and uh, it, it puts the the deer into rut and just I love the change I love you know every three or four months really every quarter kind of is how it lines up we get to experience a really a, a whole new. Environment outside and I love that. I love it's It's God's design the way the way our globe earth Revolves around the Sun and and rotates on axis causes this and and I'm so thankful to be able to experience those and I love being able to look back now I don't very often Give credit to cell phones. Uh Oh But this is something I do like about them And there's so many features and apps even your phone will do it We have cameras all the time, and and we are the age Ben where we can remember it wasn't that way. We didn't always have a camera. I can remember buying disposable cameras and have to go print the pictures to mm-hmm. to have memories of the trip or whatever I was doing. Yep. But now, wherever my kids are at, if my kids are doing something that's cute and funny, bam, phone's out ready to for that memory. Yep. And this time of year is really powerful because of the change, whether the fall. Or you've got hunting seasons, you've got Halloween. It is so fun to see those memories pop up. Yeah. Your phone will say, hey, this right. is what you were doing on this day last year. And to look back at how much your kids have changed in a year's time and what they were wearing in their, as their costume last year for Halloween or the buck that you killed two years ago on this day or the fish that you caught. Oh, I remember how I caught that, where I caught that. Maybe I can go use that same tactic this year. I love the memories that come up. Um, and, and remind us of seasons past and gives you kind of some hope and some excitement for the new season.
1: Yeah, you're actually talking about, I honestly believe that's that's what we're supposed to do when we're in a relationship with, with Jesus Christ. Um, it's really hard for me to see what he's always doing in the future. I, matter of fact, I don't know if I've ever been able to see that. I don't yeah. have that vision.
0: Th- that song that's out right now,
1: I don't know what you're doing, yeah. but I know what you've but done. I know what you've done. And I think that's what's important is that we look back. That's why we give thanks But we look back and we can see what God has done, and that does give me hope. And you said it gives you hope. You also said that change is hard. You know, I also think that when we we have to do the change, it's hard. But when change is made around us, it's easier to get through. Like, we know the seasons are going to change. We can't control that, and it's easier for me to adapt and work through that. Whereas when I have to make the change, it isn't just coming Mm -hmm. on its own. Boy, is it tough! That it's tough to make a change when you have to make it, and isn't just happening around you.
0: When, when when it requires some humility and sacrifice of yourself is much harder yeah. to change, yeah. rather than to say to tell someone else that they need to change or to watch. Yeah, the change of the environment. Yeah, that's that's a really 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 good point. Um, we're going to talk about fall bass fishing today because of change. Change. There's a lot changing in a bass's world in the environments that they're in this time of year, it can present really good fishing opportunities. It can also, you can can have some pretty rough days in the fall. We have been pretty blessed this year. We've got to go do quite a bit of of fall bass fishing. Mm -hmm. And we have had that dichotomy, some really, really awesome days. Yeah. (laughs) And some not so great days. And we're going to talk about kind of those changes that are happening in those systems that cause that. Uh, We haven't really been able to get out uh, well I guess it's been about a week since we've we've been out on a, a fall bass fishing trip. You've been under the weather? Yes. Thankful you're you're back with me today. You Here still I am. sound a little <laughs> bit
1: froggy? Do I okay. But
0: right. you're upright. Uh-huh. And you're able to drink a little coffee you and bet. still sit in your chair and not go sit somewhere else. So yes. we're thankful for that.
1: It's a good it's a good moment in time right now for right. sure. Right. So
0: and we get to talk bass fishing. So we've been bass fishing. Let's define fall if we're going to talk about fall bass fishing and encourage people to go give it a try maybe equip them with with some knowledge to make that uh, experience better. Let's define exactly what we are talking about when we say fall.
1: Yeah, and to those that, that if you're out in the wild and you can't ever look this up, I think you're first, you're going to see, like, pay attention to the trees, honestly. The trees share what is starting to take place out there. And I know that's we say fall and the leaves fall off the trees, but even more than before the leaves fall off the trees, start looking at what, wildlife are doing like if you can't google what is fall well then where else are you going to get this information from? you know so start paying attention to what's happening around you and that's what i was going to share i haven't really talked to you about this brian but i think the theme that i'm i'm at right now for this podcast is is how do i relate this to life whether you're a bass fisherman or not is to really be a detective like a, a another word is sleuth like you are going to have to be a sleuth a detective in this now do you want to know what sleuth means? <laughs> huh?
0: Yeah, I think yes, I would. I've always heard it used in yeah, a different we've, context. I would so right. love to hear.
1: Yeah. So honestly, you're you're looking for clues through investigation to solve a problem.
0: Well, I guess you learn something new every day, because I've always heard it like derogatory to like a a uh Maybe, it, maybe I got my definition from the urban dictionary. <laughs> yeah,
1: yeah, that's, you don't want to go down that road yeah, you sure. don't want to go down that no, road. No, but what I'm meaning is, is that you, you have to be a detective and a fun way to say detective is a sleuth. And if you're sleuthing, you're, you're following like the trail. And so that's what I, I think it's important for all of us uh, when these changes come, it's really helpful to be a detective in that. And so you're starting to look for clues. Uh, in your investigation to really solve whatever it is you're 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 wanting to solve. And for here, we're trying to figure out how can we catch bass in the fall because something is right. changing and what are the things that are changing around us? What are they? Right. So
0: I'm, I'm gonna really start to classify it as fall bass fishing. When the air temps start to change at nighttime, it may still be hot during the day. We're talking for us, September, really a lot of times you'll still see it may be 85, 90 degrees during the day, but instead of 75 at night, it's now 55 or 60. So you really get like a 15 to 20, de- 20 degree drop in the nighttime temperatures. But it still may feel like summer during the day. But that's when these lakes, that's when a bass's world starts to change. It starts to change the water temperature. It starts to change what their bait, the shad really this time of year, is doing. And it will move them. They will move actually the location they are in the body of water that they're in, and that's when you start to get into these fall bass fishing tactics and mindsets and doing your investigations to find where they are, like we're talking about.
1: Yeah, I think you have to add in, too, that so bass are cold-blooded. They don't give a hoot what the air temperature is. We do, Mm -hmm. like, when it drops... Well, for instance, we're going through a week right, right now. Uh, it was. So, but we know the cold air is going to change the water temp. So that's what I was going to say, yeah. though. But we we may not go out because the air temp's colder. We feel cold, right? We right. don't want to go fish. But what is it doing to the water temp? And so as your, as your air temperature begins to cool, your water temperature, now it's impacting these bass because bass are cold-blooded. Mm-hmm. And, well, all fish are cold-blooded. And so you just said bass want to follow their food. And so as these water temps are changing, what are these fish doing to A, stay in the warmer temperatures for their cold-blooded body and they got to eat. Right.
0: Another thing I want to point out as we're talking about this, we are in, mostly we fish in Southern Missouri and Northern Arkansas, Mm -hmm. right on the line. Some days we may be fishing in Arkansas and Missouri on the same day, but that's mostly where we fish. In the fall, we'll say, let's, let's use a two month window here. We'll say September through November. Kind of give you a a time of year mindset for everybody listening. Up in the north, New York, Minnesota, Michigan, those areas, they might get snow Mm -hmm. in this time period. Mm -hmm. And in Florida, they're still wearing shorts and T-shirts.
1: Well, they always wear shorts and (laughs) T-shirts, I think.
0: (laughs) But my point is there is a huge contrast. Oh, yeah. But still, bass are
1: doing different things. In all those areas, bass are going through a change but that's why I think you have to be a detective like you you're gonna have to investigate. You are because yeah, you like gotta get saying, sleuthy. You gotta get sleuthy. <laughs> I mean there are if you're it's why it's so important to pay attention to your surroundings. It honestly is if you're in the north, those trees are going to be doing things different mm-hmm. than what's happening down the Florida trees. Right. Like it's yeah, really yeah. pay attention. You can be looking for
0: yeah, walnut trees start dropping the walnuts, yeah. persimmons start yeah getting ripe. Mhm. Leaves start to change colors, fall. I mean, as we're sitting here recording this today, I'm looking out at most of the trees on my property. Now, it's been really cold and really windy the last few days. Right, pretty much knocked all the leaves down. There's not hardly any leaves left on the trees uh, on my property here. So things do change pretty quickly, but be sleuthy, be aware of those changes and investigate and use your detective skills to figure out what's going on. So really we need to answer if we're going to target bass specifically in the fall. There are Mm -hmm. other species to catch, and that's kind of a cool thing about fall is you can get some of those accidental catches. Yeah, like like a walleye. Right, Right. because these these different species are starting to intersect because they're targeting the same thing, which is the shad. The food. Mm -hmm. The the food. Mm The shad is the bait fish that they're targeting. Uh, Walleye, crappie, uh, bass, they're all kind of intersecting at – Especially especially when you start talking about cover, wooded cover, and, and you'll have several species of fish in the same cover. Uh, that is an exciting thing about fall. But all these fish are moving. We're targeting bass, and so we need to talk about what bass are doing in the fall. What is the changes that they're making? And the first is they are going to start moving. Mm-hmm. You have your summer patterns. They're out deep. They're grouped up. They're not moving and chasing a whole lot. Some of them may be off ledges. You, you can go graph and find wads of fish in 50 60 feet of water on a ledge they'll be there the next day and the next day and the next day mm-hmm. once you start to get these cool nights you'll all of a sudden go graft those fish one day and they gone they're gone and so the question is where are they going
1: right so i think as an angler that's fished here in the ozarks all my life and honestly used to these changes like we know We've been told, here are the patterns. We call them patterns, and here's mm-hmm. the patterns that happen throughout yeah, the year. Our
0: lakes are considered, they're highland reservoirs, and highland reservoirs are notorious for being called pattern lakes.
1: And, and I'm not going to go down the road yet of technology, but I want to bring it up here that if you have forward imaging versus no forward imaging, that's going to set you up a little different. And so as, you're, as you being you, knowing what technology you have or don't have, that's going to help to know what patterns should you use. And what I mean by that, if you have to go out and make money at fishing, like you're you are making a living at fishing, that mindset is so different than probably most of our listeners listening, like, I want to go in the fall, I want to relax, I wanna go out, I wanna have fun, and I wanna go catch some fish.
0: Yeah, people who make a living fishing aren't listening to the Meant to Be Outdoors podcast. We're listening to theirs. That's right,
1: that's right. <laughs> but why that's important is because you and I mainly fish zero, like we're fishing in the dirt, literally physically throwing our baits like Darn near out of the water. Yeah, So zero
0: feet. Well, I think we put a, a video up. We did. We put a video, a reel up of you actually threw yours too far and landed it on the bank I, next to the water bank.
1: Mox. <laughs> I did, yeah. <laughs> but from, that's because I was trying to literally fish in the dirt. So from zero feet, honestly, about down to 25. Yeah. And so in that range, really, you and I are fishing that zone year-round. Do we kick out deeper? There are days that we have. But what I'm saying is, is if you're going to go out in the fall— You're gonna have to like pick this this zone, this this zone, and I'm gonna say zero to twenty five feet. And inside that, what are the fish doing? Because if you're gonna find a pile, you're talking about structure. Earlier, if you're one day going and you're finding fish there, and then the next day they're gone, what are you going to do? If you don't have the technology to to kick out and go thirty down to sixty feet, then you're stuck at zero to twenty five, and that's okay. It really is okay. Because now I think the detective work comes, there are still going to be some fish. When we say move, they didn't go to the other end of the lake. Right. They're, they're not packing their bags and be like, whoop, we're in the river now, we're going to the dam. They are somewhere in your area, but you're still going to have to find them, and that's where the detective work really comes in.
0: Right, and you may have your main river channel going through the lake of mm-hmm. one of these highland reservoirs, and you're fishing, and you're catching, they're in the summer pattern, they're out 40, 50, 60 Sometimes guys are catching them 100 feet deep, Whew, yeah. and then all of a sudden, these shad move up from out there, and they start moving from the main river channel. Right off this point, they start sliding back into the creek channel. Mm-hmm. So you'll have creeks feeding the main river. It might be a big cove that goes back in a half a mile or a mile, and you have to find and follow the shad. You also have to find how the fish are orienting to the shad. Are they pushing these shad up in the dirt on the bank, attacking them? Are these shad out in the depth of that creek channel and these bass are hanging off to the side of them in 15 feet of water waiting to make their little ambushes? You have to find the shad. Then you have to find how the bass are acting around the shad too mm-hmm. and adapt your bait, color, and how you're approaching these fish to try to, to catch them.
1: Yeah, and you made a good point there. You're going to have to know how to use the lure that you're using. So what breaks my heart is that these bait companies will sell all kinds of tackle. And when you buy it, when you look at the back, it, you know what? When I was growing up, a lot of the tackle companies would put the directions on how to use it, where to tie it, like what, how to retrieve it back. Nowadays, it's a guess unless you've seen somebody else use it or you're getting, you're planning on getting on YouTube and watching how guys are using it. It doesn't share how to, how to fish this bait. And so I think it's really important that as an angler.
0: I still see it so on soft plastics.
1: Well, good. Like
0: G- this good. could be rigged Texas rig or as a jig trailer, but I don't see it much on hard baits.
1: Yeah. I mean, even a, a, a deep diving or like a deep jerk bait. Right. Like, you know, you're, you'll have your guys that say jerk it three times and pause or you'll say slow tree back. Like majority of the time, you really doesn't share how you're supposed to, what depth, what line. Let me let me share it this way: When these guys are making these baits, especially as your pro anglers are designing and making these baits, they know what rod, they know what line, and they know what weight. Yeah, even what reel, even what what reel, reel ratio. They, yeah. they are the ones that are tweaking this up, and when they go to sell it, they don't tell you any of that.
0: Yeah, these baits are specifically designed. To perform best with best. all of those
1: specific lines, specific right. rods, specific reel. And they don't really share that. They don't. And, and let me give an example. When I was fishing um on the amateur side with pros, one pro at the time was Jim Aiken, and he designed the Aiken's jig, mm-hmm. which you love, I love, right. most people in the Ozarks here love it. Matter of fact, the, the people that loved it so much... They could tell you the difference between a handmade Eakins jig versus one you bought in the store, like yep. in the box. Yep. With that being said, when I was fishing with him, he designed that jig on 10 pound Carbon Pro fluorocarbon line. Like that was what it was designed on. And, and he was only fishing 10 pound line on that. That's what he made it. Like he designed it that. Do you have guys fishing 20 pound on it? Of course. Like, but that's how he designed it for it to be perfect. And so we don't get all that information all the time, you know. And so I think it's really important that whatever bait you desire, you're going to fish the fall pattern baits. But I think it's also important to know how to use them. Because if you're not using them correctly, then it's going to hurt you when you're wanting to go out and, and it throws that, that kink or that clue that I'm saying, the clues that you have. Now you're, now you're throwing in other kinks in your clues. And so uh, that hurts when you're trying to investigate and try to figure out what in the world it is and how to catch these fish.
0: Yeah, it really does. And, and the only reason you even knew that about that jig is is that you got to fish with him and he told with you. And the, the only crew. reason I knew that is because yeah. you shared that with yeah. me. Uh, so it is difficult to find all those things out. And, and you can become a sleuth and investigate and find some of that information by going online, Googling. Right. Sometimes people will share, hey... Uh, I'm so-and-so Berkeley pro, and I was involved in bait design, and this was really designed to be fished on braid. Um, And you can find some of that information. Sometimes you just have to go out and trial and error and figure out what works. You have to do
1: your own investigation for sure. Yeah, and that's kind of where in the fall here it can get tricky because changes are happening so, Mm -hmm. so fast.
0: Yeah, and and one of the biggest changes is those shads. So really this time of year you have – when that, when that nighttime temperature starts to get lower than it's been all summer, I'm going to say like 60 degrees and below, that's when these shad really change. Like a light switch. Like They leave their summer depths and they start heading back into these creeks and you kind of have to follow them and you really have two different sizes of shad. Last time we went out, I saw both sizes. Some were like two inches and those were the ones that were spawned this year. So they're like three or four months old. And then you have the big mature ones that are <laughs> a pound, some even two pounds, these huge giant gizzard shad, mm-hmm. all the way down to the little teeny tiny babies that are from this year's spawn. And you really need to uh you really need to get a bait that is similar to that. You need to you need to either have that big giant shad bait or that little one. If you're kind of fishing in the middle of the road, you're probably just gonna get lost in the pack.
1: Yeah, I mean, most most of the anglers listening, they're going to go the little route because that's the type of equipment they have to use um, for that bait. You know, defining fall, when we say time of year, you just said 60 degrees. You know, you got to think we're coming off of the, the warm water. So that fall is going to be the water's hot. I don't know. I'm trying to think of an average of what our hot hot
0: is. Yeah, in the summer where you you may have surface temps of 90 degrees, right? And then all of a sudden you get these 55 degree nights, and it plummets the surface temp from 90 down to 75. Yes. Then as you get into October and you start to get 40 degree nights, it drops it down to 65 degree water temp. But you've got That's what we're talking about,
1: right? And you've got professional anglers anglers that when it's when it's the hot hot summer, as soon as you start getting that cool down they consider that fall Mm -hmm. that's that's the fall bite that's starting to take place because changes are starting to happen somewhere on the lake somewhere
0: and then the end of that is really going to be once water gets like 55 to 50 starts to get ducking below 50 (laughs) now you need to call that winter bass fishing and bass are going to do
1: something even different than they're doing here in the fall so that's kind of that time of year that's kind of those water temps um and, and the start of it is, like Brian's saying, the nighttime that, you know, you and Brian and I have been out fall fishing and not even knowing it. Because if, if you're not fishing till 9 a.m. and you went every single day, your water temps are going to stay the same. But where they're fluctuating is, is of the evening.
0: Something else I want to point out that is happening on impoundments, Highland Reservoirs. What is happening on a lot of lakes is the fall or winter drawdown. So winter pool is lower than summer pool, So they're going to... We don't get a whole lot of rain this time of year, so our water levels are low. Yes. As a matter of fact, there is... On Bull Shoals Lake, where we've been fishing a lot, mm-hmm. there is structure in areas that we were catching fish the last couple of years during this time of year that is like you'd have to make a 20-yard cast up onto the bank to get to it right Yeah, now. I mean, squirrels are hanging in it Yeah, now. squirrels yeah. are in yeah. it. Yeah. So the water is down. Uh, that happens a lot during the winter. What that does, it positions these bass off of cover. There isn't as much shallow cover in the water. There, Some of the laydowns that we were catching bass out of, they're laying on the bank completely. Nothing is in the water or just the tip of them in the water. Yeah. And, and there's not really a place for these fish to get on. So it kind of puts these fish in some weird areas. And right. if you do have cover,
1: probably a fish on it. Yeah. And, and you got to think too, like fish are, are predators. So, or I say fish, bass. the bass, the bass are predators, yeah. So are walleye. And so when you say that they start coming together this time of year and they're, they're starting to use these same places, well, if a walleye and bass are in the same place, what kind of pressure is that? You right. know, when you're adding in gar, uh, gar coming in to feed as well. And so when you have less water, less space, now we have less places of, you know, it's going to impact what these fish are doing for sure. You know, I'm glad you brought up water levels. I put that in here, not knowing you're going to share it. But you and I saw the water level change weekly. So we went out Yep. three weeks, one day, every week, or each week, and the water level was lower and lower every time we went. It was about a foot lower every five
0: days. It was about five to six days in between a handful of outings, and it was like yep. a foot
1: lower every time we went. Yep. And that hurt us. Yep. You know, <clears throat> we did really well. Well, let's say the first time we went really well, and as that water level started dropping dropping, it seemed to decline in Mm -hmm. that 0 to 25-foot range that we've been talking about.
0: Yeah, and we maybe didn't make the changes with that that we should have. Right, exactly. We were kind of stuck. I guess that's a fall mistake that you can make is sticking to some of those old patterns. Yes. You've been having summer, 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 summer success and catching these fish in the same areas, and when they start to move— they're not gonna all just blast off at once. So you may still be able to catch a few in your old ways you were doing it, mm-hmm. but it's not as good as it was. And you have to be willing to, to put the rod down, change the bait, whatever it is, and move the boat and follow these fish and adapt with the seasons. That, that is fishing, that is hunting, mm-hmm. that is really being an outdoorsman or people call it woodsmanship. That is reading the signs, being a sleuth, investigating what is nature telling me what do I need to change to be a successful hunter and fisherman? And you really, really have to do that in the fall because I'm here to tell you, it changes by the minute sometimes. Yeah. We went out, one of these days we went out, I am gonna. Th- I think it was two weeks ago, we were out and we were fishing. We started out fishing the same pattern that you had fished the week before. You had went out by yourself and absolutely smashed and we started out with that pattern and we were catching a few. We had a few good keepers and we're getting some bites, but it wasn't just off the wall. Mm-hmm. And then all of a sudden there was nothing. We weren't catching anything nothing. throwing these shallow top waters at all. But we knew the area we were in was good because of five days before you'd caught them. We're mm-hmm. seeing bait, we're graphing fish. So we came back that afternoon once the sun got on it. And all we did was we slid the boat out. So we went from fishing that two to five foot depth. Mm-hmm. Now we're fishing the 10 to 15 foot depth. Correct. Catching the same fish, but on a jig rather than top water. Yes. Total dichotomy. The top versus the bottom. Yep. The same fish in the exact same area. And and we're talking, this bank is so steep that we're, our casts are probably landing 20 feet shorter. They're not on the bank. We're only 20 feet out. And all we did was slide the boat out 40 feet and now we're catching fish again, but that changed throughout the
1: morning. It did.
0: And yeah. then we started getting bites.
1: And I think, well, to put it kind of in that the description there that what are the bass doing in the fall? So your shad start moving, the bass follow them to, well, into the creek channels. Then the bass get aggressive on the bait until that water dips. Yeah. So, so what was happening to us is when I was catching them in like one foot of water, I was seeing bay fish. Right. They were up that shallow and they were literally pushing these bait fishing fish the bait onto the bank. The baitfish were bouncing out on, on the rod of the water. Right. They were ambushing them and mm-hmm. using that and that's why that top part of the day was amazing. And then as those shad moved out out away from that bank, now they're they're keeping them schooled up and they're feeding below them up, you know, right. and, and we're fishing jigs. Luckily this steep drop off that you're talking about that we found, it had at That 10 to 15 foot range there, it had a ledge before it dropped off into the abyss, basically. And what happens when that sun will get
0: high, it's not super windy, maybe just a little breeze or calm, and that sun gets high in the fall, it pushes those shad down to the bottom. That's what happened this day. It pushed those shad down into the water column, and the bass still want to be below the shad to feed up through them. They're looking up. They want to feed up. The bass have to be on the bottom. Mm -hmm. And so... We're gonna to switch to that jig and and fish that bottom bait, and we were still catching a few bass that had crawdads in their
1: gizzards, so we knew that there there were still uh, some crawdads on the menu too. Yeah. You yeah. know, the day that that the top water was really awesome, I was using a whopper plopper, and I was looking for clues. I was trying to figure out like I see these these bass are attacking these minnows. I right. Mean, they're, I say minnows to everybody listening. The small shad, a little two three inch shad. Yeah. Yeah. Yep. And I tried the whopper plopper. I have. Never had an awesome whopper plopper day. Like everyone talked about the whopper plopper, how I just never really had one of those days. And so I threw the bone color. Yeah, just a few few bass here and there. Yeah, I threw yeah. the bone color. Everyone talks about use bone, all this. I couldn't get a bite, so I switched to the loon. The loon is their black. It's it's the black looking whopper plopper. I caught one after about fifteen casts. I'm like, this still ain't work. Like this is not working. I'm seeing these they fish. Should around me just, they should be They should be biting So then I switched to what the color is called, I Know It. That's what it's called, I Know It. And it has some chartreuse, but it's mainly white, and it's yeah. got a little chartreuse. And when I put I Know It on, it was done. Like, right. I mean, it seemed like anywhere there was a fish, you'd you'd go through stretches where you wouldn't get a bite, but you would find out where the fish were at because they were slamming it. Yeah. How many topwater fish you think you caught that day? 30? i say 40. I'm going to say I probably caught at least 25 and I probably lost because of the way I had set this thing up. I probably lost like 15, right. like 10 to 15 I lost and 20 to 30 I caught. I mean, I I, I quit counting, which is what's so fun. You quit counting because you want to get back in. You just want to, the short ones you're taking off, you're throwing in, you're trying to get those bigger keepers. Um, it was an amazing morning. We didn't have a morning like that, though after that right. you know, because these fish started moving out, and you had I had to change the tactic. Every time that we went, I started using topwater every time. I threw it right in the beginning because it was successful, mm-hmm. but I didn't. Well, thankfully, I was wise enough. I didn't stick to that. To that, yeah. I got rid of that old way because that's something you want to use in the fall, but it wasn't working, and then I switched, and, and we started using some other baits.
0: I want to point out something you did that I think was really wise and is a tip that our, our bass fishing listeners can take. You were throwing bone and loon. Yeah. The two most co- common color topwater baits out there. Right. Then you switch to one that was a little bit smaller and a little bit more shad colored. Yes. And that not as many people throw. Right. And look what happened. So Boom. don't be afraid to think out of the box and, and mix things up. Try different things. You don't always have to do what everybody else is saying to do because bass... Do adapt and change. They do. I mean, remember when the Alabama rig came out? People were just thrashing them, just knocking bass heads in. And now everybody and their brother throws it. And I'm here to tell you, you can catch bass on
1: it, but it it's ain't a cheat code like it used yeah. to be. Yeah, it well, is that's, not. That's a good point because not only was it a cheat code, you were catching like some big, bad, immol- and multiple a cheat code on for bigs. one bait. Yeah, it was crazy. Gosh, the videos out there still are out there of it's. It just isn't like that anymore. Yeah. Well, I can remember when it first
0: really came on the scene and, and doing the early pre-spawn like March fishing and I'm still doing the jerkbait stuff, catching a few bite, catching a few bass here and there, throwing the red cranks, catching a few good few bass, but the guys I'm with are throwing this Alabama rig and I'm trying to be stubborn and they're catching 5 and 6 pounders smashing them, 2 and 3 to my 1 and I'm like, <laughs> "Okay, yeah. There's something, there's to, something this. to this, but yeah. it isn't like that. It isn't like that anymore. It has changed." And, and that's the whole point of what I'm saying is Change it up a little bit. Yeah,
1: change it up a little bit, and and that may really help you get some, some more bites. So, Brian, you talked about jerk, but you just talked about the jerk bait. You talked about the Alabama rig. We said jigs. We said top water. What are the baits to use in the fall? Goodness,
0: I, I'm gonna talk. I am going to talk about what I use because. You can get online and look at blog after blog after YouTube after YouTube video and everybody gonna say something different. Yes. They so are. I'm gonna say what works for me and I'm gonna preface that with fishing mostly clear water, highland reservoirs, talking visibility five, six to sometimes sometimes we're fishing bullsholes and you're talking ten, twelve foot visibility. So mm-hmm. clear water, visible baits. I'm trying to go natural shad colors in the fall. And that really is it. If you're fishing an area that has muddy water Or grass, you probably need to change it a little bit and and use your muddy watercolors, your black and blues or your uh, your pure white with uh, chartreuse in it. Those muddy watercolors, we are not using a whole lot of that this time of year because our water is clear and we have really deep lakes. I'm talking 200 foot. So are you saying as the water gets colder, it gets more clear? It does get it gets it gets really really clear here in the winter. It really really does. So let, let's
1: do it this way, because because there's so many options out there. What would be like if if somebody was going to get started in fall bass fishing? Can you give us what is the normal pattern that something that they could start with, so that when they're out there. They don't have to do a bunch of research. They're going to start with this, and then when they're out there, they can begin to use the clues around it to maybe switch up to some. Yeah, other things.
0: definitely. I, l- let's do this. If you if you have three rods, okay, tie these three on, go cover some some banks, cover some water, and go fall bass fishing. Yep. I'm always going to have a jig on. Mm-hmm. Always going to have a jig, and I'm going to try to see if I can see a crawfish, whether it's in their gizzard or at the boat ramp, and see what color the claws are. Because they were really orange, and when I switched to an orange, boom, trailer, I got more bites. Yeah, and I'm fishing something small and finessey. I'm even cutting my weed guard down a little bit to get to make sure. And then because I'm not fishing a lot of cover this time of year, I'm not flipping it into, I'm not flipping it into bushes because there's no bushes in the water. Like I'm dragging this thing
1: around on gravel or on points. Yeah, let me share. Let me let me give a point here that, of an evening, well, of a night. So let's say that you have, you're have fishing a tournament the next day, or yeah, you're just getting up to go fish the next right. day. If you're at the water that you're fishing the night before. Oh, you're talking about when we took the boys yes. camping. Yeah. yeah. Um, we were able to actually look at the crawdads. You can take a light, go to the water's edge, and you're going to see these crawdads out doing yeah. their thing of a, of, of a night. And you will you can see the color of them. There were some different colors. There was some, kind of had some green, like a uh, darker green with some black lines. And then yep. you had the ones that you're talking about that had more of the orange cross. Those are the colors that you should be trying to mimic. Right, because in the summer, our crawfish
0: are, really have some blue in them. So I'm always having like a a natural color with blue in it, whether it's blue flake or just an Okeechobee that has kind of the green and sure. blue mix, yeah. mixed mixed right. together. And I'm transitioning from that right now because I saw the crawl color. So jig, I love a finesse jig yes. this time of year. Uh, the next thing that I'm always, if I was going to have just three and, and go out and always going to have tied on is a crankbait because i want to have something to cover water and we get a lot of windy days this time of year because when the warm or the cold weather when we have these fronts we get a lot of fronts it's going to get windy Mm -hmm. and you need a bait that can be erratic and trigger some of these bites again these bass are aggressive going after these shad and you're not slow fishing yet if this water's still above 55 we're talking 55 to 70 degree really for fall fishing they're aggressive. And you need to keep this bait moving and erratic. I'm going to use a crankbait that is uh, diving between six to 10 foot of depth. And I'm going to cover, I'm going to get on some of those banks parallel and and cover water. If there's wood, I'm going to bounce that thing off of it. If there's a big rock, uh, last time we went, uh, the two bites I did have on a crankbait, they were hard to come by, but the two I did have, there was giant boulders, and I threw it and when I smacked into that boulder, bam, that's when the bass hit. So Yeah, let me explain that.
1: You you said when when the before you said fifty five degrees. Yeah. So because bass are cold blooded, they are more active and warmer because their metabolism is faster. And right. so that's what's taking place when your water is warm enough for them to have faster metabolisms, Gotta they're eat. feeding, they're eating, they're eating. Yeah. When that drops because they're cold blooded, they're cold too. Their mm-hmm. metabolism slows down and they're not looking to just fill their bellies. They're right. opportunistic. They're whatever comes by they may get. So you're making them react by you throwing a crankbait, and that works really well when it's windy. Correct. So that's why he's saying have that tied on, because that wind can come at any time, and then you're going to be ready to to make that switch and start throwing some crankbait. That's and good.
0: And what I will say is uh, a lot of people get in the mindset with crankbaits that it has to be windy and cloudy. If it's windy and sunny, you can still catch them yeah. on a crankbait. Well, the, the, definitely in the fall.
1: Yeah, your water they can't see you it's too windy it's right it's, it's moving that that water's turbulent it's moving mm-hmm. and so uh yeah you're gonna be able to throw that crankbait for sure not have to worry about the clouds or not absolutely some of the
0: best fall days i've had was when it was so windy generally you want to go into the wind cat put your boat into the wind you have more control of your boat cast into the wind the fish are going to be positioned because the wind is making current that way so you're bringing your bait into their faces some of the best days I've had was when it was too windy to even cast into the wind, and I had to turn and go with the wind, yeah. and I'm just casting and cranking <laughs> as fast as I can over and over again, literally breaking a sweat, casting and cranking, casting and cranking. Man, you really can trigger some bites that way and cover tons of water and find areas that actually have fish. That is fun. Third, if I just had to pick three, I'm going to go with the topwater. Top water bites are so awesome, and, and in the fall it can get really, really good depending on where those shatter position. Cloudy days seem to be better. Um, mornings and evenings seem to be better too but even during the day we had a couple times where in the middle of the day like one in the afternoon uh, a weather system kind of was skirting by us and these fish came up schooling all around us and we caught more on top water in the middle of the day whopper popper like you mentioned or uh, the other one that's real popular is the berkeley choppo Mm -hmm. Um, we've had more success Recently, on the smaller versions, there's yes, like three or four different sizes on the smaller ones, like it has two hooks instead of three hooks, right? My um, three hooks
1: is just it's just too big for, yep. for what but we're any
0: uh, walking bait. The traditional Zara Spook, there's so many walking baits out there now. Uh, but something I, I don't want you to overlook, and I have had a few bites this fall on, but it hasn't been as good for me in years past. But if you're in an area that has more cover, like you still have grass or any kind of matted vegetation in the fall treble hook bait isn't going to work A frog is awesome Mm A frog is awesome we actually had uh we were fishing along and there was just a little cut a little pocket and Mm -hmm. in the back of this pocket all this wooded debris had kind of pushed and matted in the back back here and you and i were fishing around this and i pulled out my frog Mm -hmm. you're like i gotta try this before we go i I got to try this before we're done before we get out of here and I had thrown over the top of all this stuff. There was like a hole behind it. And I'm fishing, fishing, thinking I'm going to get a bite. But well, when I popped it over it, there was a smaller hole in between two pieces of cover. And I kind of got my bait hung. You didn't kind of, you, you got your line wrapped. My line was wrapped. And it was Yes. Hung. You were hung up. And so I'm trying to get this thing out without actually taking the boat in there. Because I, was, I wasn't done fishing. And I was just,
1: mm-hmm.
0: I knew there had to be a frog blow up in there. So as I'm shaking, trying to get this bait, it was wrapped one time. Wanted it to wrap off this little limb. The end of it is just dipping, tapping the water, and all of a sudden, a really nice, like two and a half, three-pound large mouth comes up and eats my bait pretty much out of the air, yeah. and is hanging off of my frog. I
1: mean, just a—he had to come out of the water to hit it. Yes, like he came out. He did hit it. I don't know how he didn't set himself, though. You could not set the hook. You I, couldn't jerk. I did, naturally. Yeah, I set the hook, but, but the because line my line stuff, was wrapped, yeah. it didn't do anything. So he hung there,
0: and he kicked a couple times and then splashed back down. So I didn't get to catch it, but it was like, I mean, we were, what, like 10 feet away from it when Maybe it even that, yeah. maybe. And I said, that. oh, oh, and you kind of looked at me like, what the heck's going on back there? And it it was kind of a cool thing, but the point of all that is don't overlook a frog. Yes. Not necessarily an awesome open water bait, but... Structure. If you get into some of some of these structures, wooded mm-hmm. structure, or you want to throw it into some of these matted... In these pockets and coves, when the wind blows into them, you may get leaves and stuff matted back there, even in these clear water impoundments where a frog isn't super popular. you What I love about it is when they do bite it, it isn't a dink. Right. We might be yes. catching dinks all day long, but if it bites that frog, it's going to be a good fish. And I love, love, love that about a hollow-body frog.
1: Now... Brian actually found a, a new topwater, and I want to share it real quick. Yeah. Now go ahead. we have been Thanks. really successful in ponds with it. Um, haven't had, haven't got to use it a whole lot on the lake like I'd like to. But Brian had. We had, went uh, one day to use it, but it was like overly windy. for It was just water. too windy. Yeah. 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 Um, this bait that you found though um, had been out. It's been out for over a year now. I guess it has. I think it came out at. At ICAST 2022. 2022. So, yeah, we're over a year. Now, the reason I'm bringing this up is maybe you are fishing um, on a lake that everybody has been using the whopper plopper, you know, the poppars, all the stuff yeah. that everyone. This is a great one to take with you, even if you're fishing behind somebody. Let's say you're fishing behind somebody in a boat, you know, and you know they're going to be throwing this, your, your buzz baits or your whopper ploppers. This is an awesome one to take. It, its it's action is incredible. Mm-hmm. But what is it? Tell us a little bit about it because maybe this is something somebody wants to take in case they're fishing behind somebody or they're on a lake that's seen nothing but, but whopper plopper. Yeah, it's called,
0: uh, the bait is made by Z-Man. That's the
1: manufacturer. And it's called the Hellraiser.
0: Now, the reason we're bringing it up is because, again, this is us trying to think outside the box. It's not like it's just some completely completely unpopular thing. People in the fishing world, They're going to know what I'm talking about, but Mm -hmm. I don't know of a lot of people fishing it. Most people that have seen it so far are like, what the heck is that thing that you got tied on? The first day that we got them, um, here close to my house, there's like a three-acre lake, and we went over there, and (sighs) you caught about a six-pounder, and I caught a four-pounder, like in 10 casts. Yeah, it didn't
1: take very many. And then
0: we went to another little small lake that is really hard to get bites on, and you had a big blow-up and and missed on it, so I'm (laughs) thinking, okay, it triggers bites. It does. I mean, it's easier to catch fish in these small lakes and ponds than, than the lake, but it's a good sign. It is. When the big ones are eating it. It is. So we wanted to go fish it out on the lake. We haven't had
1: a chance yet. Now we're getting into deer season. So we're going to we're gonna gonna have to, have to, to make yeah. some things but, in here. But I want people to know that this bait's out there because the way the action is on this thing and what it's different than anything. You've it ever is. Seen and yet. so it's awesome to have tied on. If you're going to be with somebody that, you know, has the same, if, Everyone's using buzz bait, whopper plopper, you know. What's then, crazy then,
0: about it is that it is a top water, but it sinks. It does sink. So if you're not yeah.
1: cranking this thing, it is going to sink like a rock. If you're getting it, make sure that you use braid, and as soon as it hits the water, begin to start reeling it. Cranking it, it. yeah. All you, you got to do is reel it in. Crank it in. It's got some <laughs> wild action. It's I shake, mean, shake, your shake. line, your
0: rod tip, everything is jumping. Yeah. All around, all, all around, right. really. Even on that windy day, I had a couple blow ups on it that that even missed it, even though it it was so windy. But the action of it was still so erratic that it was they were coming up to it. So I'm excited to fish it in more ideal conditions and and see how we yeah. do. It has a three eighths weight on it, so you can cast it a mile, a mile. Yeah. So be careful, a mile. It's yeah. awesome. But anyway, just be thinking outside the box. So for me, if I were going to say you've never really fall fished, and and a lot of people who consider themselves fishermen and they are fishermen when it gets to be this time of year it isn't warm it's a little harder to get out and fishing is tough it, i'm going to call it junk fishing you really have to like be willing to get in your tackle box and try all kinds of different things and really really focus on fishing the conditions i'm going to tell you put on a, a mid diving crankbait put on a jig a finesse jig if you're going to my personal preference would be a finesse jig and then third uh Get one of your favorite topwaters handy and and, and and be ready to throw that thing shallow, cover some water, and like you said, 30, 40 fish days, hang
1: on. Yeah, and, and I'm, I'm going to give clarity, and when you say finesse jig, it would be the heaviest, smallest body jig you could buy. Because you, you want heavy, but you don't want to get into this football-side right. stuff, right? So. It is finessey, but it's on the it's on the heavier weighted side of the finesse. Yeah,
0: way. I like to use a seven sixteenths finesse jig, um, and one of the reasons for that is this time of year when we do get these these frontal conditions, whatever cover is in the water, if there's one piece of standing timber or a little bush, they get so tight to it. When I flip in there, if I do hit in their strike zone, I want it to go flying by their face and make them react. I don't want it to flutter and float down. I want it to. F- I want it to sink fast, get down to them, and make them bite that thing.
1: Exactly.
0: And it does. Yeah. <laughs> and you do. You're able to catch some that way as well. Now, Ben, that's just me. And there's some other popular fall baits that we do take and have caught some fish on every year, but even this year in, in our outings this fall. What are a
1: couple other ones we should think about? You know, because I know that you're going to take those three, and that's since we fish cool. in the same boat, I actually rig up some different baits on mine. And so, um, well, here, let me share the story. That morning, we, we tried to do topwater. Um, we found out it wasn't working, so we bumped out. We started fishing the jig, and then that bite kind of changed a little bit. However, we kind of ran out of our strip. Like, we fished that zone. It was gone. Where yeah. do we go? So we went to a point. And on that point, when we positioned that boat into about 10 to 15 feet of water, we were seeing these bass busting out off this point there's right. a shallow point real long shallow point yeah we don't have forward-facing sunrise, so nope. we're visibly seeing them yes on top yeah and so i was throwing uh the whopper plopper i think i ended up catching one on it but i could see these the bait they were hitting they were about like two inches long mm-hmm. and so that's why i always have on um i use what's called the speed shad but it's a swim bait it's about a two yeah. speed two inch bass pros brand brand
0: a really well-known one that people almost use it as not a it is a brand but people use it as a they say a ky-tech type type. ky-tech yeah ky-tech paddle tail rib bodied yeah so it's
1: it's a small swim bait small small. soft plastic two inches to two and a half sometimes they have 3.8 yeah i whatever size you have you want to try to mimic the smallest size of the shad the the shad that you're finding exactly right and I was able to throw that out, and I actually was able to catch one on that as well. I you I, caught like three in a row there real quick. I think you did. I may have.
0: I don't know. Yeah, because the shad came up, the shad came up mm-hmm. and the bass got up underneath him on this point. We were on the side of the point position casting across it, and, yeah, you caught like a couple on the uh, the whopper popper, and then you were following up. A couple came up and missed the top water, and you'd yeah. throw in with that little tiny swim bait yep. and, and get some bites that way. So that's a really good fall one.
1: You so, can cover so water that it, way yeah. too, and so I have that tied on. Matter of fact, I can even use that when it's windy. For me, like let's say you're throwing a crankbait, that is one that I can really throw far as well and cover some water. It's kind of like a locator bait, but I can count and let it drop into as I see those those um, bait balls on our two D two D our two D sonar sonar. Yeah. Um, I'm able to then. Know kind of that how deep maybe I should let that thing fall and kind of come to that zone as well. So it's an awesome one to have tied on. Um, you know, now chatterbait is another one I used to always have tied on. I have personally kind of backed off from it, but I used to be the guy that <laughs> always had this thing on. Um, now,
0: well, that's another bait kind of like the Alabama rig that when it first hit the scene, guys were wrecking them on it
1: and it's still good but it isn't a cheat code anymore it isn't you know and something interesting about this though is how i would rig it up is i would put basically a a crawl on it um it wasn't a crawl i was using a double-tailed grub grub yeah and i like that now you you put when we're talking about these swim baits these little smaller style swim baits
0: it depends how I'm fishing it. Right. If I'm throwing it out and covering water, like right now in the fall, like you're talking about, I'm going to put a swim bait on it, mm-hmm. like you're talking about. Maybe even the same swim bait that you're throwing on your, your single right. ball head, I'm going to throw right. on there. Uh, now, if we're th- if I'm flipping it and throwing it, popping it more
1: around cover, yes. then I'll, I'll move to uh, that crawl-type trailer. And so, see, that's, again, chatterbait's kind of like universally. There's so many ways to use it throughout the year, but it is one that you need to have tied on for sure yep. in the fall. And matching,
0: matching on that, too, uh, your colors, trying to – you may get away from really white or really black and blue, get into kind of your more bluegilly shad with a little blues and silvers in it, mm-hmm. trying to get to those natural colors in the fall because they're really keying in on, on some of those natural forages, um, and you need to be there to trick them. Now, where can I – Can you use something – If you're not a chatterbait guy, is there something that you can use interchanged?
1: Well, I mean, the old, I I don't say old school, This has been around for forever. It's what I grew up on, which is a spinnerbait. Yeah. You can have
0: That is definitely before chatterbait. You know, the
1: the spinnerbait, whether it be willow blade, Colorado blade, you can get into all your techniques on that. I'm a willow blade guy because I still want it to be fast. So I'm using a willow blade. Well, if you get the right willow blades, the
0: blades themselves look almost exactly like the shad that we're seeing a lot right now. No, it is true.
1: The blades are what is what's giving that spinnerbait the vibration, the thump, the thump. and and the deeper Colorado blade, the more it looks like an actual spoon that you eat yeah. food with.
0: You just have to fish those Colorado blades so slow. It's almost more like a a, a winter or a, a night fishing thing, not so much
1: the a shad bite, correct? And so that's why I want something to still come by fast. So um, spinnerbaits have always been around and they always will be. They'll Always catch fish, and they'll 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 at least catch you a fish for yeah. sure. Yeah. Yep.
0: Absolutely. Uh one thing I don't want to leave out we do this a little bit not as much as some other guys cuz we again we don't have we don't have the newest technology we're st- we're still we're you could call us old school we're using <laughs> 2D and and downscan and uh, side scan which you can still find fish this way it's just not live sonar but there are still fish deep there are some fish I'm telling you they never come up like they stay out here 50 60 feet from the summer through the fall and into the winter, they're still out there. Now what they do, they may move the depth, the area, the deep area that they're in, meaning they may slide off the point and get more on the channel swing, and then depending on where the bait are, they're going to slide up and down on the water column. So they may be in 60 feet of water, but they may only be at 30 feet because the shad have slid up on a cloudy day. You can honestly go graph. These shad groups get so big billions. I mean, just massive. You think something's wrong with your graph because there's so many shad. And from 50 feet of depth all the way up to the surface, shad are jumping out of the water. And then on your graph, you can see them all the way down to 50 feet. And these bass are mixed in below and around them feeding. You're still going to catch some fish really deep if you can find bass active around those shad. What I don't like about catching bass that deep is that you have to fizz them
1: there are, yeah at, at some point you'll have to on some of them. right yes absolutely
0: what and what i mean by that is their air bladder will actually come out of their come out of their mouth come out of their throat or out of their uh anal gland yeah. and you have to let the air out of that or they won't be able to survive and swim back down and that's a whole nother task and we carry fizz needles and all that because of the areas that we fish but it's it's a different style of fishing and if you're fishing for money in a tournament and that's the best way to go catch bigs, then you go do that. But we don't want to leave it out because it is still on these clear water impoundments yep. a way to fall fish. What are baits that you can go target those deep suspended fish with? Oh I mean they've got
1: spoons. Spoons are the number one. Like everyone Flutter spoon or Well, they've also have the blades. The jigging so, spoons. Yep. Yeah, yeah. There are there are different types of spoons, but let's just say spoons for a moment. Spoons are a great fall one. Matter of yep. fact, if you're fishing any deep water, have that spoon. Um, something that I learned from that tournament we fished was the ice jigs. Yep. And. Rapala ice jigs. Yes. Yeah. So there are those techniques out there that are really, really deep. But for me, is that, uh You want something heavy, like
0: three quarters of an ounce to an
1: ounce that you can get down to those fish. Yeah. I like. I've tried silver and white in color. White has always produced more mm-hmm. for me than silver. Um, but it's that. It's that jig and spoon. Yeah. jig and spoon. Um Now, with a jig and spoon, you know, you want to know how to use your bait wisely. (laughs) And so if you have a jig and spoon without a swivel on there, be ready for your line to be absolutely destroyed. It it is is going to twist, 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 twist. And that's what it does down there. Uh, As you drop it, it's actually untwists. That creates reaction strike as well if you're not jerking it up and down in that moment. And so if you want to save your line, you will want to buy one that has a swivel on it or purchase a swivel and place on there
0: you know about a month ago i went out walleye fishing and one of the baits i was trying to target walleye with was a white jigging spoon over brush piles that were in 25 to 35 feet of water and we're getting right over the top of them ripping the spoon up letting it fall in now only caught one walleye but i couldn't keep the bass off that thing (laughs) I mean, the bass were over the top of these brush piles, and they were hammering that White and spoon. so they will definitely eat that thing if you can get it in them. Mm-hmm. But I've also been in areas where I'm graphing massive amount of bait over a brush pile with bass lines flying through. On 2D sonar, when the bass are active and feeding in these bait, it's like slashes. Looks like somebody took a sword and slashed through it, but it's the fish flying through there. And I've dropped that spoon in there and ripped and ripped and ripped and popped that thing over and over again. They never bite. And you're looking at the graph going, how are they not biting this? So it has to be right, but you can really catch fish that way. If you are a deep fisherman, if you like to go out fish that 25 to around here, maybe even 80, 100
1: feet deep. Yeah. And I think having a way to change that color to to try is so important in those moments. If if you're going to use a jigging spoon... Then you want to have different colors because in that moment, if you know you're in the fish and you're not catching them, then you're going to have to, well, understand that's a clue mm-hmm. <laughs> and start trying to to switch those colors or perhaps the jig weight, the size of the weight or the actual size of that jig. Absolutely. Mm-hmm. Some guys actually add feathers. Um, they'll put feather, uh, treble the hook, treble got a treble hook. feather, fe- yeah. yeah. And that is just enough to, to make them react to it. So you got to figure it out in the moment. You do. Because, so, Brian, no one has fall fishing. No one has fishing completely Well, that's out. what I want to really point out. Fall fishing is
0: so inconsistent. Mm-hmm. And what I mean by that is you may absolutely, in 2023, you may just find the pattern and the bait, and you may just have it all set up perfect, and you may smash all fall. And then you go back next fall and do the same thing in the same spot, same lake, same areas and it
1: stinks. It's awful, yeah. So
0: year to year it's inconsistent. Mm-hmm. Day to day it's inconsistent. You may think you may look at the weather and be like Pff, whopper plopper day gonna go trash them. like I'm going to go catch 50 today and you get out there and you never get a bite. And then all of a sudden you're like, man, I can't get a bite. I'm going to throw my shaky head and <laughs> then you have a 30 fish day. So you have to be willing to adapt and change, change baits, change colors, change areas. If you aren't getting bit cover some water. You know a crankbait is good at the 10-foot depth. If you're not getting bit in an area, cover water until you get bites, and after your third bite, put the pattern together of
1: how you caught them. Yeah, that would be the the number one tip that I would give is is if you don't have it figured out. You know, there may be years where you do have it figured out, and you're slamming them, catching them, you're tracking you're staying on them, you're able to follow where they go, and you know how to catch them. That's awesome. If you don't, I think the I'll narrow it down to two. The two The two lures that I would use in the fall would be a topwater and a jig. That's me personally. And I'm going to cover as much water as yeah. I can. And graph, too. Use your graph. Yeah, use your graph. Yep. You can see, yeah. But start shallow and then work your way out from like uh, that zero to 25-foot range. But cover water and fish as much of it as you can, and you will eventually catch a fish and you'll eventually catch a keeper. But you're going to have to cover lots and lots of water. Yeah. Um. You know, we didn't give a lot of time to a jerk jerkbait. Um, I feel like that kind of gets into more of my, the late fall. But when we're talking fall, you have an early, you have your pre-fall and then you have your post-fall, right? You have yeah. these transitions from summer to winter. Yeah, once I start calling it winter or or pre-spawn, even into the spring,
0: I, that's when I'm really, for me, going to start pulling out the jerk bait. But yeah. I know guys that fish it 12 months a year. They fish it 12 months
1: right. a year. And, and that's how they figured out how to use that bait correctly for where they're at. And so, the again, the two that you're going to pick, may be different but whatever they are take them use them get out there go experience them learn how to use them
0: yeah it use that graph even if it's just a black and white 2d old like that's what i have in my kayak use that graph to find where the shad are if there aren't shad around in the fall uh, there's probably not going to be fish Um, and even if you're on a lake that doesn't have shad i know some of the lakes up north don't like these bass are looking for gobies. Well, try to find areas that have gobies. You and I aren't going to hang out very long if there's not a place we can get lunch. No, no. I'm,
1: I mean, that's why I take lunch with us on yeah. the boat because I'm always hungry. But, you know, at some point, you do have some of these fish that die off with the cold temps as well. And, man, if, if you're in that area, like, be ready for a bunch of fish as well. So it isn't perfect every time, but use the clues like, you know, you and I found some, um, we found some shad that had been hit by bass, but they didn't eat them. Right. You know, and they're floating the top of the water. Well, I'm scooping that thing out. I'm looking at how long it is. What is the color of it? Is it just silver? Does it have some, what, what? Yeah. And what then. What kind of shad is it? Is what it a kind herring? Of, yeah. Is it a gizzard? Yeah. And then, you know, if I'm going to match that, you got to think about if you're finding bass on a school of shad that are all two inches all the same color, and you're trying to throw the exact same bait in, what is going to make that bass hit right. your lure instead of the natural live that it's attacking? Yeah. And so you may have to tweak it a little bit. I carry orange and chartreuse pins, and sometimes on my white, my white baits I can make those markings on there just to make it different enough to maybe them to react to me instead of the the thousands of uh, shad that are out there. Yeah, absolutely.
0: Um, is there any, any recent... Maybe I'm getting them kind of mumbled in my mind because, like I said, we have got to fish quite a bit this fall. Are there any uh, recent stories we haven't shared as, as we weave throughout there that that you want to not skip over?
1: You know, preparing for this podcast, Brian, uh, you and I've been actually out several times more than I thought I'd get to go um, honestly for the fall, and it was really crazy to see how it changed. We went to the same lo- uh We went to the same lake. Every time that we went, and the conditions were different every time, you know, from the water temperature to the lake levels to what the weather was doing, from it being sunny to cloudy to windy. And I think that's what makes a fisherman good is when they can adapt to what's happening around them, and they're not just stuck to, this is the one bait that I use, and I'm going to use it over and over. Will you catch a fish on it? Yeah. But— you're not going to catch as many, you know, one style that we didn't talk about one technique that we didn't talk about yet. And I am not very good at it, but it, it is one that if you started using, you catch fish, which is the drop shot. And a lot of anglers are going to use drop shot. But again, that's going to be for those fish that are, <clears throat> that are out of the brush piles a little bit deeper. Um, it may even be suspended fish out like you're talking about And there's 50 foot of water yeah. stuff, you know, and, and there are anglers that are good at it, and they're going to go out. They're going to use their technology, drop down to them, watch them come up and hit their lure and hit it. But I don't want to leave that out because it is one um, that is successful in the fall. Um, you know, to add to that story uh, that you asked about, me, it was for this fall. Like, you and I, we took our boys out camping, and we were going to go out and actually try to catch some walleye. And it was a struggle. Like, we, I used night crawlers. On a bottom rig for walleye in a bouncing rig, yeah, bottom bouncer, a bottom bouncer, and I used a two ounce because we were in about twenty feet of water is where I tried to keep it, and that's where a lot of these fish I was seeing on my two D. I was we were going over fish, bro. I couldn't catch them. Even for my son, I was so pumped up because I'm like, I've got night crawlers. I'm using live bait. Like Mm. you think when you use live bait, it's gonna, it's gonna be this thing that's gonna absolutely catch them every single time. And it didn't. And, you know, I think I ended up, I lost uh, a decent bass on a jig that day. Uh, you had a spoon, I think. Did you have one on with a spoon? Uh, no.
0: No, I caught one good fish the day before. It was really tough, and we kind of were down on ourselves.
1: Well, Hayes even reminded you, because you did have a bite on one of them. He reminded you, and I thought it was on a spoon that you had. But either way, we weren't we weren't doing a very good job. We were in mm-hmm. fish, but we just didn't catch them that day. Yeah. And, and that's what I want to sound the story, that you may think you have everything figured out from the day before from all the videos you watch, but until you go out and actually do it, whew, you ain't going to know. <laughs> you're not going to know it. You're going to have to go do it and experience it in the moment. And then you're going to have to adapt in the moment. Yeah. And it's kind of like
0: golf. You know, once you start playing golf, you realize how stinking hard golf is, but that is what makes golf is addicting is like trying to overcome the difficulties and the challenges. And that is also the same for fishing. Like when we get out and we're having, we've been out there for three hours and we've had one bite, we're seeing fish. You and I are going, okay, what do we have to change? What depth, what color, what bait, what area, what do we have to do to figure them out to get a bite? And that, it was so addicting. And the real addiction comes in when you do figure it out, Mm -hmm. that gratification of like, Oh my gosh, I put it all together, I get it now. Oh yeah, that was telling me that. Oh yeah, I should have paid more attention to those seagulls earlier. Well that's a detective
1: work. You're trying to solve. But it feels so good when it, you solve it. Once it's solved, man, it does feel good. You yeah. know, because we we did really bad for walleye fishing that day on that story I was telling you about, you know, I needed I needed some, I guess, affirmation maybe, or I'm not I can't even think of the word right now. But when we hit land we we talked to some locals there. And they were saying that the guides that take people out for walleye had even struggled as well. And so that always makes me feel good because it's like, well, if it's hard for them, then of course it's gonna be hard for me, right? right? But I needed that. I needed to know that. And so if you go out fishing and you don't do very good, get on and look at what, what happened that day. There are so many different apps and websites where people are posting and communicating and and talking about how their day was. Get on and check it out and see and see what it is maybe you did wrong or if everybody did it wrong that day. Yeah. And yeah, definitely continue continue
0: learning even after yeah, even after you're yeah. done fishing. Do you have any memories that stick out to you, not from this year, but of, of fall fishing? In the past, oh, however many decades you've been fishing. Now, I'm not gonna just call you old right here, but you've been fishing a <laughs> while. You got any good fall fishing memories?
1: Well, that's actually when I caught my biggest bass. Um, it was like I didn't have when I was that young. I didn't have an official like scale. It was just I'm gonna say you're cheap if you're cheap. you yep. nine, or your little nine volt battery, and yeah. Um, but it said six point three is what it said uh, as pounds, and that technically was my biggest that I've weighed I, out on the lake. It. It's not that big but it is for me and How'd I you caught catch it, it on a spinnerbait and what it was is it was a it was a steep drop off bluff it was up the river but it was on the bluff and I saw just like we were talking about earlier these bass were pushing these bait like up against the rocks and then just ambushing them mm-hmm. and I threw that spinnerbait in and gave it like three cranks and I mean this thing pounded oh, no. on it yeah. and just turning it in sideways bringing it in Again, it was it was my personal best. It was so fun. But that was in the fall. It was in the fall. Mm-hmm. Cool,
0: yeah, really cool. You know, for me, uh, I don't know how it's probably about probably been about five years, but I was fishing with my dad, and we we're fishing on a river. we were we we're out fishing the river, and that's another thing I'm going to point out. Don't don't think you have to go to the lake, ponds, rivers, all the kind of same baits we've talked about and patterns are kind of the same, but you've got smaller bodies of water, so it's easier to target the fish and find where they are. My dad and I were out on the river and we got out there and as soon as we started fishing, we were doing the same things I'd done the day before, jig, and I kind of looked and was like, man, it's kind of overcast, kind of a dark day. I want to try, I want to try something I don't throw very I'm going to throw a black buzzbait. And I mean the first cast, I threw past a laid down tree and as I came over the log side of that root wad, a bass just obliterated my buzzbait. And I thought, holy smokes, like that was really an aggressive strike. Look up ahead and there's about 50 yards up there was another piece of wood through my buzz bait by it. Wham! Another one comes up and I was like, holy cow. Mm -hmm. Ben, it went on all day. (laughs) All day. The same buzz bait, the same pattern. You find wood structure and throw this thing by. I was like calling my shots. Mm -hmm. And unfortunately i i was catching good fish keeper fish all day long but we're in a big bass tournament so you had to catch the biggest bass to win and i hooked up with what would have been most people were weighing like smallmouth fisheries, so like a three pound three and a half pound smallmouth is usually what wins Mm -hmm. i hook up with like a four to five pound largemouth behind three trees Three laydowns. I uh-huh. threw over all three of them. I was fishing braid with this buzzbait, and I buzzed, f- rolled over the first tree, and in that second gap, as it started to buzz again, I mean, oh, pulled it over one tree, and I'm like, this is, I'm literally saying, this is the winner, this is the winner, this is the winner to my dad. And as I go to pull it over that last tree and get him out into open water, it jumps and throws. I see my buzzbait go flying through the oh, air, man, and I was like, deep. oh, man. But I still went on to just. Yeah. I don't know, thirty or forty fish on the same black buzzbait all day long, and this was in, it was in the last week of October. So we're yeah. just
1: crazy good fall yeah. fishing, and you it know, can happen. A buzzbait is a single hook. Oh uh, yeah, you know, I wasn't even fishing a trailer. Uh, I, I was just a skirted
0: right. buzzbait, right. no trailer on the, no
1: plastic trailer, and no trailer hook. Oh, that's good. Yeah, you know, you actually reminded me um, I, the information that I obtained from this year. Didn't do me any good yet, and I can't wait to see in the future years if what I've learned this year will help me for the future. Yeah. And, and you will, and you may not. You know, the day that I caught, we we're talking about that topwater day. Um, it's been a, probably a month ago now, the whopper popper day, yeah, yeah. day. I saw five cotton on the bank, all doing the same thing almost. A couple were swimming, but the other the the, the, the three of them had their heads tucked in and their tails just kind of hanging out. Yeah. And I saw four water snakes. So four water snakes, and then I saw which the northern water snakes, and I saw five cottonmouths. There is a difference to our listeners. If you want to know, you can look them up. And I saw more snakes that day than I ever have, and I've caught more fish on top water than I ever have. Right. I have no idea if that. Yeah. Information. So what
0: you're saying is to take in everything. the other what other wildlife is telling you. Maybe yes. you can start to use that. So next year, if you go out and you're like, man, there are snakes everywhere. It's October, and there's and there's. Cottonmouth sunning on all these rocks. Yes, I need to get that whopper popper
1: out you that could, I had last year. Because after that day, you and I went back to the same place a couple times, and I did not see those snakes like I did. And that you day. never replicated the same same bite, and the bite was different. Yeah. And so that's the kind of information that I'm saying: be aware of, take it in. That may be the things that help you out. That day, it might
0: but, be worth noting. Like keep a start a note in your right. in your phone or keep a notebook of keeping a log of of what weather things you noticed yes. absolutely
1: animals done yep. well
0: i hope you hear a our voice we love fishing oh, and yeah. i hope you hear that we want you to go fishing so we hope that before fall is over you go out and do some bass fishing winter is coming it is, it is harder and not as fun to get out and go when it is cold we can still catch some bass in the winter but you got to put more clothes on and it can be a little more difficult they're not quite as aggressive so go take advantage of the fall. We hope that we shared something with you today that not only uh, will help you, but maybe it inspires you and gives you that encouragement you need. Take somebody with you, share the outdoors with people that you know and love. If there is any way that we can help you feel better equipped or uh, pass on any knowledge or experiences that we've had to help you get outdoors, please reach out to us. We love to hear from people. mtobeoutdoors at gmail.com is our email address. Uh, send us a direct message on Facebook or Instagram. You can always contact us those ways. Follow along on Facebook and Instagram too. If we've been out, we may share a picture or a bait or or the water moccasins that we saw, uh, kind of a crazy experience. You never know what's going to happen in the outdoors. And if we get it on video, we like to share it with you as well. Whatever platform you listen on, please leave us a rating and a review. That really helps us Move up the charts so that when people are searching for things in the outdoors, they find the Meant to Be Outdoors podcast. If you are feeling inclined, it is the holidays to help the Meant to Be Outdoors podcast. Financially, we can use all the help we can get. There is a link on our Facebook and on our Instagram. It's a link tree. When you click on the link tree, click on the Patreon button, and you can vouch to be a Meant to Be Outdoors Patreon member. We'd be so grateful and thankful for that this is it for this episode of the meant to be outdoors podcast we'll be back next week with a brand new episode between now and that time we hope that you remember you are meant to be outdoors thank you for listening to the meant to be outdoors podcast hosted by brian hoffmeyer and ben brandell please help us by subscribing also follow along on tiktok instagram and facebook